there's so much confusion over the book of Jonah. I, I was telling Mike, I sat there last night and I pulled up this. Now, you don't have to do this. I'm just saying I did it. But I, I typed in, Googled, dead whales washed ashore. That's, that's what I typed in. Some of these whales and fish that have been washed up are like 50, 70 feet long. And people were saying, how could a great fish, we don't know if it was a whale or what it was, but how could it swallow a man? Do you know that they've studied even the great blue whale and the pH in the stomach of the great blue is acidic neutral, which means that life can live there? I mean, if you and I swallowed a fly because of the acidic stuff in our stomach, it would kill the fly. But they've done all this research. Even science and scientists who tried to dismiss God have had to conclude that there are certain things that are a little beyond their explanation. And I find it fascinating. So let me, let, me, let me go ahead and just get the cat out of the bag as we start this today. Jonah is not a book about a fish. Let me just go ahead and tell you all that because most people growing up, again, as Nick made reference with these little uh, Sunday school lessons, if you're not careful, you think the book of Jonah is about a fish. Do you know there's only just a few verses that talk about the fish? The book of Jonah is not about a rebellious prophet. It's named Jonah, and there's rebellion laced all inside this little four-chapter book. That's not what it's about. The book of Jonah is about a gracious God that extends compassion to rebellious people. Every book in the Bible is about God. It's God-centered. It is all about the king and the Lord and the master. So when you read through the book of Jonah, you go, well, what's it about? It's about a gracious God extending compassion to rebellious people. Anybody in here glad that we've got a gracious God that extends compassion to rebellious people. Man, I'm so glad. If that was not the truth, I don't know where I would be. So if I had to capture the book of Jonah in 12 to 15 words, here's what I wrote. Rebellious hearts encounter a relentless God who offers redeeming grace and radical love. That's the book of Jonah. Rebellious hearts encounter a relentless God who offers redeeming grace and radical love. Open your bulletin, Jonah chapter 1. I'll read the entire chapter. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry out, preach against it, for their wickedness has come before me. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa, found the ship that was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. The Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea, so strong that the ship began to break up. The sailors became afraid, and every man cried out to his small G God. They threw the cargo which was in the ship into the sea to try to lighten it, but Jonah had gone down into the hold of the ship, laid down, and had fallen asleep. The captain approached him and said, how is it that you're sleeping? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we do not perish. Each man said to his mate, come, let's cast lots so that we will not perish. Each man said to his mate, let's see whose calamity uh, this is all about. So they cast lots and it fell to Jonah. 
they said to him, tell us, on whose account has this calamity and storm come about us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What's your country? What, are, what people are you from? And he said, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, capital G, God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. But the man became extremely frightened and said, how could you do this? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had already told them. They said, so what should we do? For the men knew, again, that he was fleeing, and what are we going to do so that the storm may calm down? He said, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. I know that on account of me, man, I like the ownership at least he takes right there, that this storm has come upon you. However, the men continued to row desperately to return to land, but they could not because the sea was becoming even stormier against them. Then they called out on the name of the Lord. We earnestly pray, O oh God, please do not let us perish on account of this man's life. Do not put innocent blood on us, for you, O oh Lord, have done as you pleased. So they picked Jonah up, threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. Then the men feared the Lord greatly, and they offered sacrifices and made vows. Verse 17, the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the stomach of the fish for three days and three nights. Crazy story, is it not? So here's some kind of thoughts. Again, rebellious hearts encounter a relentless God who offers redeeming grace and radical love. Let's establish this right out of the gate. God loves all of us. God loves Jonah. God loves the Ninevites. God loves the sailors. God loves you. <laughs> that is just a fundamental truth. I mean, when you read this, it's like, man, God, why, why do you love so much? Now, Jonah was a prophet. Jonah had been anointed by God as a prophet. A prophet was a person in that day that would speak to God's people on God's behalf. A priest was one that would go and make intercession on behalf of the people to God. The prophet was always the one sent out by God to say, go speak to my people. So Jonah's job, if you will, was to speak to Israel and proclaim these great words of the Lord. Now, here's what you got to know. Nineveh was the capital of, a, of, 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 the, of the Assyrian people, if you will. And the Assyrian people were in direct opposition to God. The Assyrians hated God, wanted nothing to do with God, didn't honor God. When you look at and study uh, Nineveh, Nineveh had hundreds of thousands of people that lived there. It was a great city, but it was wastelands. It was witchcraft and it was uh, prostitution and all kinds of wickedness was happening in uh, Nineveh. Now, now, Jonah is a part of God's people, and he thought that God loves us, God cares about us, God doesn't love Nineveh. So when you read this story of the word of the Lord coming to Jonah saying, go to Nineveh, Jonah's attitude was to hell with Nineveh. Let them die and go to hell. I don't want to see them saved. I don't want to see them repent. I don't want to see these people hear about God. That was Jonah's attitude. Study it. And so a lot of people have posed the question, so why did Jonah not want to go there? Was he afraid for his life? Well, if you study Nineveh, they, they, would, they would absolutely kill people. They had destroyed prophets. They had murdered prophets. They would skin you literally alive. There's things that you can go back and look at in the artifacts where they would skin people alive. And so a lot of people would conclude Jonah didn't want to go there because he was scared and he was afraid of dying. That was not Jonah's issue. You'll see it surface in chapter 3. Jonah didn't want to go there because he knew God was a compassionate God 
and a relentless God that pursued people. Now, Nineveh, where Jonah goes down to Joppa and he buys this ticket and he's to, to be going to Nineveh. Nineveh was only 500 miles to the east of Joppa. Tarshish was 2,000 miles to the west. In that day, Tarshish was the furthest known place that you could travel in that modern world of that day. So, so Jonah was like, I'm heading elsewhere. And so as you read the story, God sends a storm. Sailors are trying to row harder to get to land. It's not working. They throw all this cargo and merchandise and their money, if you will, overboard trying to lighten the load. It doesn't work. They finally say, what's the problem? The problem wasn't the cargo. The problem was this stinking dude who was running from God. He says, throw me overboard. So they throw him overboard. Things calm down. The sailors repent. They come running to God. They make these vows and sacrifices. And then Jonah is given a second chance. Jonah never imagined that morning when he went and bought that ticket to head to Tarshish that he was about to take a boat ride he would never forget. That's the story. So I want to make some practical applications with you. And I want to look at two major thoughts with you today. I want to look at Jonah's call and Jonah's fall. Everything I'm going to talk about here today is going to be the call that God put on Jonah's life and the fall of Jonah's life. The call. The word of the Lord came to Jonah saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, cry out against it, preach against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Here's an interesting word when you study it. I love studying the word. The word come up really literally in, in the text means it was like a septic that was coming out of the ground and it was just absolutely just ruined, nasty. So when he says their wickedness has come up against me, the smell of Nineveh and the stench of Nineveh and the sin of Nineveh has come up against me, Jonah. And Jonah's like, mm, oh, I don't care about that. <laughs> but God came to Jonah and the call was personal. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Jonah was a real person that lived in a real city. Jonah was just like you and I. Jonah was a real dude. And uh, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Here's the point. Jonah had a God that spoke to him. So do we. Jonah had a God that spoke to him. So do we. I, I meet people oftentimes and they'll sit there and they're like, I, I, I'm okay with God speaking to Jonah, but they're not okay with God speaking to them. The God that spoke to Jonah speaks to us today through the Holy Spirit and through the Word of God. Our God still speaks. Our God has never stuttered. He doesn't have male Tillis syndrome. God speaks with clarity. So the Word I would ask you would be this. Have you heard God speak to you this week? No, no, no. Have you heard God speak to you this week? Because if you haven't, it implies you haven't spent any time with him. The word is alive. It's quicker and sharper than any two-edged sword. So every time we pick up the word of God, unless we've got sin in our life and we're suppressing something in our life, God says, I, I, I want to speak to you today. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. The Holy Spirit wants to give us revelation and illumination, and God desires to speak to us today. So has the Lord spoken to you? 
Hebrews chapter 3 says, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. So God, I believe, is still desiring to do something amazing in your life. God wants you in a position, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. God wants you in a place where you can hear his voice, his challenge, his commands, so that you can walk in obedience and freedom. Makes sense. Who does God want to speak to? Every person sitting in this room. The Word of God will speak to you collectively as a member of the body of Christ, but God will speak to you selectively through the Holy Spirit. I want to get in the Word so that I can say collectively, what do you say to your people? But as you start to pray selectively, what are you saying to me? So God, his, his, his call to Jonah was personal. Second was, it was pointed. Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. It was clear. It was urgent. It was pointed. God didn't tell Jonah to go anywhere else. I I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to go to that place over there that's all of their evils coming up against me, Jonah. It's wicked. The witchcraft, the prostitution, uh, all of this stuff that's going on. But Jonah's like, man, that's a Gentile city. God digs us Jews. Uh, We we as a nation of Israel have always believed that God was going to send forth wrath and wipe them out. God goes, no, 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 I want you to go over there. And Jonah struggled with that. Jonah struggled with when the word of God said, go to Nineveh. And I think Jonah concluded one thing. Uh, Lord, (laughs) Nineveh is not a part of my preaching schedule. I'll go down to Jerusalem. I'll hang out over in Bethlehem. But Nineveh is not a part of my preaching schedule. You see, the Great Commission has come to you and I. And the Great Commission of Matthew 28 says, going to all the world, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Going to all the world. Our world is flooded with modern-day Ninevehs. But some of us have concluded that I'm not going there. I'm not going into the world. I'm not going into the cesspool and the stench of the world. And a lot of us have concluded that we will only go to those safe places and those comfortable places and those easy, low-risk places to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're cool with giving money to those who are fighting sex trafficking, but God forbid that you should ask me to be a part of it. We're, We're cool with seeing seven bridges Minister to the homeless in Atlanta, but God forbid that you would ask me to do street ministry. There's not an assignment above us. And there's not a people group that exists on this planet today that cannot be redeemed. God desires to bring about restoration and redemption and to offer hope to humanity. His word was pointed. So you've got to ask the question. You've got to ask it. Where is God asking me to go? Okay, God, are you speaking to me? I got to get right. Is there something in my life disturbing this? Where are you asking me to go? And then Jonah's call was purposeful. Go to the city and cry out against it. Two things, two proclamations. Go and preach. Go and preach. We'll get to chapter 3. And when you see what God told Jonah to cry out to Nineveh, it's not a real complicated message. 
Jonah didn't need 45 years of seminary in order to declare God's message. Tell him in 40 days I'm going to wipe him out. That was all he had to say. It was purposeful. But Jonah knew that he would be a lonely solo voice crying out. And Jonah probably reasoned with thinking, what can one man do? You ever thought that? What can one man do? What can one woman do? There's not that many believers, if anywhere I work. I mean, what can one person do? When you read the book of Jonah and you start to see how God extended grace and compassion, what you realize is the whole stinking city repented and ran to God. In your obedience of following what Christ is asking you to do and the Holy Spirit is prompting you to do, you may be God's catalyst that he's using to bring about revival in a place of darkness. I've had ballplayers say that to me over the years. Man, I'm the only Christian in this locker room. Then praise God, you've got a huge mission field. Well, I'm the only one here really taking a stand. Praise God, get her done, dude, go get it. There is an open door. Go love on people. Dropped a little air of the cable guy on you. But you've got to look and go, what is God asking me to do? At work, with my family, is there an area that God is saying, take the gospel? The word of the Lord came to Jonah, and, and, and God says, here's my call on your life. It's personal, it's pointed, but it's purposeful. Now, I want you to see Jonah's fall, because Jonah's fall is a trip. Verse 3 says, but Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship that was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, went down into the ship to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. I want you to get this. Jonah's fall was calculated. Three things here. It was calculated. Verse 3 begins with two of the most troubling words in the scripture, but Jonah. I remember at 13 being introduced to the gospel. I remember at 13, people sharing Christ with me, and I remember going to this church for about three months, and then I bolted, and then high school, I was a train wreck. It was like the Lord, I looked back in my journey, and I'm like, you were pursuing me then. He goes, I know, but Tim ran. I remember Campus Outreach was doing these Bible studies at Troy back in 82, 83, and 84 when I was there. And this guy was reaching out, and I remember going to this small group Bible study, and I'm like, man. But Tim would rather go to cake parties. But Tim would rather chase. And I started looking at that, but Jonah, I'm like, Jonah, I'm not mad at you. I get it. I get running, I get fleeing, I get trying to get out of the presence of the Lord. I get trying to get your needs met on your own. Any butts in the house today? I ain't talking about Boston butts. So I think the question has to be asked, have you run from God and are you running from God? Because God had spoken to Jonah. Jonah knew it, Jonah knew God. But the Bible says he went down to Joppa found a ship, bought a ticket. Jonah had a plan. When we run from the Lord, it's always calculated. When we make plans to do wrong and follow through, it's always calculated. 
I mean, I've dealt with so many guys over the years and guys that would find themselves living in adultery. Remember this one player years ago, and all of a sudden he got busted. And he and I are sitting at a Chick-fil-A over by the Mall of Georgia. He goes, I just don't know how this happened. Like, what do you mean you don't know how it happened? I just don't know how it happened. Well, I'm not even going to start with you dropping trouser. I want to go back to something else. So you don't know how it happened. You don't know how it happened when you told me you were buying porn videos. And you don't know how it happened when you started inappropriate text, texting and emailing with this chick. And you don't know how it happened when you finally had the opportunity to hook up with her. You don't know how it happened. Are you stupid or are you a sinner? Because both of them are bad. But I remember the guy saying, I opened the door. I said, you fantasized about what you could do and what you would do. So when you finally did what you fantasized about doing, it's not how did I do that. It's why did I open the door to start thinking about doing it? What you had done is you had found a ship heading exactly where you wanted to go. Dude, you were heading to Tarshish. And do you know, as I said, Tarshish was 2,000 miles away. And when people run from God, they want to get as far away from God as they can. They want to get as far away from God's people as they can. They do. The, the Bible says about the prodigal son in Luke 15 that after he decided that he was going to go party, that he went into a far country. And I was dealing, Steve and I were dealing with this guy about two years ago here. Yeah, we're going to go to another church. Y'all don't have Awanas here. No. So is that why you're leaving? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then a year later, all right, I got this other girl pregnant. It's not my wife. How's that Awana program treating you at that other church? You ever heard people lie about their whys? We've had so many people tell us, oh, that church is not for me. I was talking to a friend this week. She goes, my brother loves coming, but he's living with his girlfriend. I'm like, he's running from God. He's running to Tarshish. He's saying that he would rather have Tarshish than God's assignment. Jonah knew better. But his sin had blinded him to the truth. We all know better. If we've been exposed to the gospel and we refuse to submit to the lordship and leadership of Christ, we know better. It's not a know better issue. It's a want to please me issue. Jonah was blinded to the truth because all he cared about was satisfying himself. And when you take off and you don't, you're not walking with God, you will find a ship. How did Jonah find the ship that was heading to Tarshish? Can I tell you how he found it? Because he was looking for it. Do you know how we find sin? Do you know how we find those traps? Because we're looking for them. I want that to sit with you just for a few seconds. How did you end up doing that? Because I was looking for it. I was looking for a way to bolt. I was looking for a way to run. I was looking for a way to satisfy myself. I was looking for a way to cheat. David would pen in Psalm 139. David just didn't happen to hook up with Bathsheba. 
that we're looking for. But after his brokenness of penning Psalm 51, and then David would pen Psalm 139, where can I go from your presence? Where can I flee from your spirit and presence, O Lord? You ever thought about that? You ever tried to run from God and realized you can't? You can run, but you can't hide. I thought I was running. And that, that, that's the, the talk of the street, right? What, what are you doing, dude? Man, we're just running it tonight. Running it, huh? Running where? I'm trying to get away from the presence of God, but I can't. The line of Judah is continuing to pounce my heart. A woman will leave her husband because some dude has shown her a little kindness and understanding. She has bought her ticket to Tarshish. I mean, the secretary makes herself available. And the dude thinks, man, just this one time, nobody will know he's on a ship to Tarshish. Young girl marries an unsaved guy who is lost, but he'll get, he'll get saved after the wedding. And she has bought herself a ticket to Tarshish. Anytime we decide to run from God, we will find a ship heading to Tarshish and the devil will always make sure that that ship is sailing right on time for you to get on board. So the question has to be, the question has to be, are you sailing toward Tarshish today? Are you headed to Nineveh? Are you dealing with Nineveh? Or are you sailing to Tarshish? Are you going to that place that God is telling you to go to? That place in your heart, that place in your soul that you've suppressed and God goes, you've got to deal with your Nineveh. You're going, I'm going to keep heading to Tarshish. Is God telling you to take the gospel, gospel somewhere? Is God raising you up to pastor, be a missionary, whatever it is, and you're looking going, I, I, I want to go to Tarshish. So Jonah's fall was calculated, but it was continuous. Look at the text. Jonah's fall from the Lord was continuous. Look at the downward spiral when you read it. The scripture says he went down to Joppa. He went down into the ship. He went down into the sea. He eventually went down into the fish's belly. When you run from God, you are going down. People that are living in rebellion never fall forward. They fall down. And I'm, leak, I'm, I'm just reading and meditating this going, man, I don't want to stay down. I, I, I don't want to live a life of downward spiral. I don't want to live a life of defeat. And when you start to look at it, when you start to run from God, to ignore God's call in your life and refuse to go to that Nineveh, can I tell you something? The collateral damage is brutal. The collateral damage is brutal. I mean, these sailors are freaking out. Praise God, they end up meeting the king, the Lord God, on it. But there's so many guys, so many women, when they start living in sin, families are blown up, families destroyed. Why? Why? Talking to a guy the other day, Jesse and I were watching Undercover Boss. I like that show. But the mayor of Pittsburgh had gone undercover, and he was talking to this one brother. And he goes, what do you want to do? And he goes, I want to, 
I want my own church, man. I, I want to be able to infiltrate the youth of Pittsburgh. And the mayor undercover looks at him and says, when did you decide to change? He said, I got to a place in my life where I was tired of hurting. But even more so, I was tired of hurting everybody around me. I'm like, that is so powerful. When did you repent and come to Christ? I, I, I was hurting, but man, I was killing everybody around me. The collateral damage, I couldn't handle it. And, and we've got people in this body that God has restored your journey, but some of you created collateral damage. You put your family in financial ruins. You, you did things and you go, God, I don't want to do that. I, I'm coming to Nineveh. I'm going to where you want me to go. I'm dealing with what you want me to deal with. Here's the thing. Jonah's fall was costly. Jonah paid the fare. He paid the price. That's what the scripture says. Jonah paid the fare. When we run from God, we're going to pay the price. Jonah's trip was more expensive than he ever thought it would be. When you start tripping away from the Lord, it is an expensive road trip you're on. The scripture says that the wages of sin is death. It's going to cost you. And I, I, I wonder sometimes as you deal with people and counsel with people, it's like, have you ever considered how much it's going to cost you to run from God? It could cost you your family. It could cost you your kids. I know so many that are paying the fare. Men have left their families in disobedience to God. And ruins. I'm like, why? People are paying the fare that turned to alcohol and drugs and porn and adultery when they're hooked and everybody around them is paying the fare. Uh, we've got a family here that this one son is such a heroin abuser and it's cost this family so much. And I'm like, why are you using that? God wants to use you. God wants to love on you. God wants to redeem you. And people sit here and go, man, it costs us so much. The most expensive thing that a person will ever do in this journey is to run from God's will. What is the most expensive thing that I can do? Buy a house, buy a car? No, it's to run from God. I don't want to run from God. There's guys who are sitting in here, women, you've lost your jobs. Some of you have lost your families. Many of you have lost your joy and you've lost your peace. And the word of the Lord is coming to you saying, go to Nineveh. Cry out against the wickedness, cry out against the evil, cry out against that pain, cry out against that dark place that nobody knows right now. You've got to be willing to cry out against it. Why? When you start entertaining a life of sin and rebellion, it is calculated, it is continuous, and it's costly. It, it's been said that sin will take you further than you want to stray, and it will keep you longer than you want to stay but it will cost you more than you're willing to pay. The devil wants to take us down, but God wants to lift us up. Have you paid the fare to the far country? 
Now, here's the good news. Here's the good news. Here is the good news. Jesus Christ has paid the fare once and for all on Calvary for you to be set free. I don't have to live in the ruins of my wretchedness any longer. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift in Christ Jesus. The fare has been paid. The price has been paid. A relentless God is still pursuing rebellious people with his radical loving grace saying, come to me if you're tired. Come to me if you're weary. Come to me if you've jacked it up. I'm a God of second chances. You get to chapter 3, verse 1, and it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Anybody need a second time? Third time, fifth time, fiftieth time? Praise God for second chances. Jesus paid it all. He died our death so that we might live his life. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it as white as snow. I sit here today and I look at a lot of rebellious Jonas like myself and God goes, he's clean. He's clean. He's clean. There's a little bit of Jonah inside of all of us. There's a little bit of Jonah inside of all of us. Many of us have heard God's pointed, persuasive, purposeful call on our lives. Come to me. I want you to know me. I want to capture your heart. Billy, we sat there in my office on Wednesday, 53 years old, me and Billy are. And Billy basically said, paraphrasing, Tim, I'm tired of running. It's time for me to surrender. What, what happened, Billy? God still pursues us. God still is chasing us. So the question has to be asked. The question has to be asked. What is your Nineveh? What is the Nineveh that the Holy Spirit has been prompting inside of your heart right now as I've spoke for these last 30 minutes? God has been speaking to some of you saying, you got to go to Nineveh. You've got to go to Nineveh. You will not embrace the freedom and the power of my forgiveness and my love. You can't walk in freedom if you don't go to Nineveh. 